there are some people that perhaps don't celebrate uh, the royal family in the way that many do. Uh, it's, that's certainly not a view I hold, uh, but many would say that's their right to hold that view. And I think that uh, King Charles um, does have to factor that in and almost do uh, a bit of a PR exercise, I guess, uh, to try and maintain the brand of the monarchy, to try and convert people that might be sceptical about it um, over to their way of thinking. Uh, well, I think it's a fair point, um, but I think if you look at the place of the monarchy, um, many years ago. I mean, it's been in quite uh, tricky times yeah. during the last century. And um, it was really, I uh, think, King Edward VII that started to try and make it probably a more popular in the way uh, that they needed to be seen more because obviously Queen Victoria was a very... I'm not the historian, it's a shame we haven't got David Starkey still on. Um, but certainly uh, what I do know is it, it was always very closed and, and uh, people rarely, rarely, rarely saw the monarch. And so it was, it was him that started to sort of change uh, the way it should be viewed and, and uh, understood that we needed, they needed to have the access, that the, the people, the subjects as we are, um, could actually see our monarch. We could see what they were actually doing. And um, because times also were changing. And I think they've done it terrifically well. And if you look at, for example, our new King Charles, um, they started to get involved uh, years ago, the Duke of Edinburgh, the, the late Duke of Edinburgh, um, with, uh, you know, the Duke of, Duke of Edinburgh Awards. Yeah. Everybody knows about those. Yeah, um, Prince Charles's uh, favoured charities and, and various things. And, and Her Majesty, you know, she was around this country and these United, this United Kingdom, as well as obviously representing us abroad and the Commonwealth, um, all the time. Um, they would go and it will continue, I'm quite sure. You see uh, William and Kate and others doing it. And, um, you know, they go off uh, to different parts of the country. They come up north where I am in the northwest. They will probably do several engagements on a wet Friday afternoon. Uh, and they're never late. They never cancel. Um, and it means so much to those charities and those people um, who really, really relish the fact that they have come and made the time to see them. So I am not uh, pessimistic at all. We were talking about optimism last week. And of course, I fully accept uh, there will be people, and as you say, appropriately, there's a time and a place to have a debate. Yeah. Um, there's been a few people standing outside today, you know, with a, with a piece of paper saying, you know, they don't support the king. That's entirely for them. All as I would ask is, um, just make sure, you know, we, we still have the funeral to come and, and whatever. I just think a little appropriate behaviour is, is mm. fine. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't see, I, w I don't want to see anything more than that. I don't want to see people being arrested or whatever, unless they're really going to cause a serious problem that could bring in, um, for example, you know, some really bad behaviour if people turned on people. We, we don't want yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, no. So I think other to that, I think when you look at the number of people, um, actually that have already been involved or seen or watched a coffin go by or whether in Scotland or here. I think the behaviour of the British people and all of those guests who, who are tourists who are mm. in these aisles at the moment has been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it's to state the obvious to look at what we can see, miles long queues, roads thronged with uh, respectful uh, people, to say that those who, who are seeking to take a look, to, 
to voice their, uh, their anti-monarchy positions are in an absolutely tiny minority. Now, occasionally, social media can amplify tiny voices like that, but then a great state occasions like this demonstrate where the sentiment of our country actually is. You were asking, Jackie, uh, Michelle, about... Um, Ceremony and and uh, Michelle, uh, you were both saying how how proud you were of um, the way this has been unfolding. People, have, of course, have had some time to prepare for this, uh, and I think it's been executed immaculately. But I would also say that it's been carried off so well, despite the fact that, and this may seem like a strange thing to say with something that was always going to happen, it was foreseeable in in the end, it's still a great shock. There's still a great shock in this country, and I, I would describe our, our country, I've been talking to friends abroad who are naturally very interested in what's happening here, saying that there's, it's, there's a profound sense of shock in the United Kingdom. We will get past that, obviously. There is great continuity. We have King Charles now, and I believe he'll be a good king. But that is not to diminish for a moment the extent to which, I mean, Queen, all my life, um, it's not uh, to downplay for a moment the fact that this is a really profound moment in our national life. It is. Um, and speaking about the event logistics as well, I'll be joined a bit uh, later in the programme tonight by the former Public Order and Events Commander um, of the Met Police, because I'm fascinated to know just, I mean, there are thousands, probably tens of thousands of people that have been taking to the streets. How do you kind of keep order in that scenario? How do you keep everyone safe? Um, so I'm fascinated to hear about the logistical I'd side be, of things. I'm interested in that too, but I would make the obvious point that almost everyone in these crowds is self-identifying as people who are interested in being respectful and well-behaved. Mm. It's like the difference between policing some kinds of sports. You know, when you police football matches, you need many more policemen than you need to police a rugby match, which might have the same kind of crowd. Uh, it's just the way that, that the people who've attended um, or the extremes within them tend to behave. And, you know, you don't need that many people to police a tennis tournament, no, not, not, no matter how many people go. But you sometimes need quite a lot of police to police um, a different kind of public event. And I think, um, don't it wasn't that long ago, 10 years gone quickly. But um, when you look at the threats that are around, unfortunately, still these days, mm. when you look at the success of the uh, 2012 London Olympics, um, yep. and the policing nightmare that must have been, because obviously yep. there were people coming from everywhere, and it was just, as I said, I think this is why we do have a great confidence in, in not only our armed forces, our, our police, our security services, and um, I think they're second to none. Well, they're uh, equipping themselves frankly. with great aplomb at the moment. I, I, I think we do, we do ceremony like nobody else in the world. It makes me so proud to see the way that these servicemen um, execute their duties here with a great sense of purpose and dignity. And um, I was lucky enough to attend the funeral of Margaret Thatcher when that great high moment was on show. This really, I think this is a moment we'll never forget. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and uh, as we were just mentioning at the start of the programme, uh, the Queen is now uh, laying in state, lying in state, sorry, at uh, Westminster Hall. And over a million people are expected to file past the Queen's coffin over the next four days. Just to give you some context there, uh, when the Queen Mother was um, lying in state, it was 200,000 people um, went to go and see that coffin. So the scale of this, uh, of course, is absolutely huge. And I went um, over today to uh, Lambeth Bridge, actually, to the start, the very start of the queue. And one of the things um, that I found fascinating, um, obviously I've never been to an occasion like this before, but I found um, one of the things really heartwarming, Alex, when you're saying about um, the police at the moment, that the way that everyone's kind of coming together, the, um, the, the 
caliber of kind of ceremony and yeah. all the rest of it. And when I went down to Lambeth Bridge, uh, one of the things that really struck me, among other things that we'll come on to, but there were moments where various people were passing. So there's like a collection of, say, RAF. Um, there was a collection of police, Met Police. Um, and the crowd just burst into spontaneous applause. Yeah. I think I've got a clip of it uh, to show you if we can. I'll just describe uh, for those people that are listening, not watching, um, uh, that was uh, earlier on this afternoon, I don't know, say about two o'clock-ish, um, at Lambeth Bridge in London is the very start point um, of the queue. And it was just so spontaneous. It was collections of people, the clips uh, that you just heard the clapping there. It was uh, a group of RAF people, then it was a group of Met Police. Um, and people were just jumping up and clapping. And one of the things that I found really quite emotional, actually, I don't know what's happened yeah. to me over these last few days. I don't know about anyone else, but I do find myself bursting into tears. And I'm not that kind of person, but the police, when they were walking by, people were clapping mm. and just saying to the police, thank, thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you. And to be fair, the police recently in this country, they've had a real kind of, um, you know, not, not a pleasant time of it. A lot of people have attacked the police and the police's behaviour. And actually, I think the police were really quite grateful for yes. the applause and the gratitude as well today. Well, they deserve it. Um, I, um, as it happens, I came in on the tube to the studio today and a large group of police officers got onto um, the, the trains. And once that, that, they might not always be welcomed warmly by the public in our capital, but these officers were. I, mean, I must say, by the way, they looked a bit more dignified than those in the high-vis vests that make, make our police officers look like they're some, um, some kind of cleaners rather than enforcers of the law. Um, and I, I think there's a great dignity in the ceremonial that you see from police officers in their helmets or, or caps that we've seen a bit more of um, of late in, in London because of the, the, this process for the Queen. Um, but nevertheless, my point is, the, these officers that I, was, I saw were welcomed warmly, and I've had exactly the same experience as you um, today. This queue is going to be enormous. I, I heard in Mark Blonghurst's piece earlier that it might be up to 10 miles. Well, it's Storm. grown since we've been on it. It was 2.2 miles at the start of this programme uh, 18 minutes ago. It's 2.4 now. Um, and I'm really conscious because a lot of people, they're not from London, um, and you, you talk about these kind of, oh, it's at this bridge and it's here and it's there, and that's all well and good if you know London and London geography, but if you don't, um, it can be kind of a little bit confusing, but 2.4 miles is the length of that queue. Um, estimates of 30 hours. And I'll tell you one thing, um, I hope, Jacqueline, because this country has been so divided. Um, Brexit really kind of divided us. Uh, then you had things like the COVID pandemic and the response to that divided us again. You've got this cost of living scenario. We've got division and negativity. And what I'm hoping um, is that this is an awful event, losing the Queen, of course. But what I'm getting a sense of when I'm going out and about and I'm talking to people 
is there seems to be a sense of togetherness again. We seem to be mm. coming together, rejoining, being polite to each other again. And I'm really finding it heartwarming. Well, I think um, I, I completely agree with you. I also agree with you about um, bursting into tears and you sort of think, gosh. And um, I've felt tearful since it started. And as I said, it's, it's a shock because there's somebody been there for your entire life. But I think maybe this will give us a period of reflection. You're quite mm. right to raise these points. Um, politically, you know, as a politician here, um, we've had huge events take place over the last few years. You know, one was, as you said, it was the Brexit event. Then we had uh, a lot of contro controversy as well with um, COVID and different views on what we should do there. Obviously now Ukraine and uh, Putin and the, the very difficult effects now on households. So obviously that's something that we were talking about last week. Um, the Prime Minister and others are going to have to pick up and run with this. So they've made a start on that. Um, but I just hope now this week, I mean, we've seen um, quite, quite frequently over the last few days now how politicians actually can sit next to each other and have a conversation. Mm. And, um, and some of these events are so big now, um, I would really like to see some of the politics taken out of it because some of the solutions that we need to get to for the good of the nation, for the good uh, of all of us, is because there will be basically cross-floor, um, the cross-floor, cross-party coming together. Um, we've got to solve these issues. Mm. They're not always just in our hands. They've been caused generally by external, external circumstances. But nevertheless, you know, if, if those... Um, countries such as, as we say, the, the regime in Russia at the moment, see us divided. It's, it's not really helpful. So we have to show that we can, we are together. We're a great nation, actually, when the chips are down. Mm. And we have proved that. And I think there's nothing more than the late um, Her Majesty the Queen would want uh, more, I think, than to see us starting to come together now, dealing with these big um, projects um, and challenges that uh, are coming forward. And also, I think... Um, that would be helpful. I think it would be helpful for everybody. I agree. It's very, I hate to sound a dissonant note, but we are, of course, also a democracy. And in our democracy, the tradition has been that we take ideas and we advocate them on one side as good and as hard as we can, and we crash that into someone on the other side, advocating theirs as good and as hard as they can. And that means that when people do come together at certain points of national significance, it has all the more meaning. That's why when our Prime Minister and our Leader of the Opposition go out at the uh, end of a Parliament together or go to remembrance um, uh, occasions at the Cenotaph uh, together, that's, that, that means so much more. I, um, I'm very proud that we've managed to have both the best of both worlds, that we are both a monarchy and a democracy. And I think both those things, um, in the, that's not easy to pull off, right? And in the 70-year reign of the Queen, those, um, those things were uh, tested. Certainly in the reign of her father, those things were profoundly uh, tested. And I think that um, being able to have both those things, marrying the qualities of a democracy and a monarchy, is part of what makes Britain so special. But of course it does, and I'm not saying anything different. What I'm saying is there are certain challenges that we have that transcend parties to a degree. And of course, the whole point is, we want to throw in ideas, we, the government may have ideas, opposition may have different ideas. 
I have no, no, no uh, difficulty with that. I've been a, an elected politician for many years, spending obviously 15 years of that time in the European Parliament. So that wasn't always uh, straightforward, as you can imagine. Um, but nevertheless, we do need to really come together as much as we can to face the challenges that we have at the moment. Completely agree. What I would like to see uh, is respectful disagreement because uh, that is the sense that, for me personally, I think we've lost that as a society. We don't all need to agree. We don't all need to be on the same fence, but we don't need to be completely hateful and disrespectful uh, to those on the opposite side. Um, the mood today, whilst I was at uh, the queue um, near Lambeth Bridge, it was in London, I found it quite upbeat. I mean, I do realise that people are essentially queuing uh, to see a coffin, of course, but I did, I felt like there was a, an upbeat togetherness. Here's some of the people that I was speaking to there. You gave so much for this country, standing in line for, which we were told up to 30 hours we were prepared to do. It seemed not much to give back. And this, this thought of 30 hours on your feet. Yeah, I know. Does that, is that daunting to you or not? It was, um, but you know, this is an event uh, and it's something we just wanted to do. Our mum passed away recently, she was 93, absolutely adored the Queen and so it's also in tribute to our mum and two, you know, great ladies we want to honour today. I was in the army um, back in the early 80s and I've been a Metropolitan Police officer as well, although I'm, not, I'm retired now, so obviously the, the Queen was, was my boss. I did swear an oath twice, so um, yeah, it means a lot to me really. And you know, I've heard that, because I was at Buckingham Palace as well, and I've heard that a lot from uh, service personnel, ex-service personnel, they feel real personally that they did serve the Queen and it was a personal connection. Yeah, I think very much so. You know, that was the oath is to the Queen, and obviously, your, you know, th that is the that is your boss, really. This is monumental, as everybody said. It's history. This is history in the making. History, certainly for for the UK. Um, there's 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 no bigger event that can happen than this because the Queen has been there all our lives, probably 95% of the whole of the UK have only ever known the Queen. I've got to say, I absolutely loved it. Um, being among everyone today, talking to people, hearing so many different stories, uh, people from all walks of life. Some uh, have been camped out for a couple of nights uh, on the pavement and they're just dedicated. They're just so pleased and proud to be there. Uh, Tom Howard is down at the queues as we speak. Let's cross live to him. Tom, I was just describing my experience earlier on in the day. To me, it was quite an upbeat, positive uh, sense of togetherness. Is that your experience? Uh, Michelle, I think that's absolutely the word to use. This has been bringing people together and it's right that you reflect upon the broad diversity of people who have been queuing, some for many, many hours. At the front of the queue, there were people from across the Commonwealth. I spoke to uh, people from so many different countries, indeed uh, from far afield, from non-Commonwealth countries as well. Spain, America, the Netherlands. It's incredible the uh, vast reach that the British monarchy has 
has and the ages in this queue, young and old, from near and from far. This has united people in a way that we haven't felt united for quite some time. It's interesting looking at the way the queue is moving now. They've been coming in batches. It's not always this quick, all the way down the almost three miles of queue that there are current that there is currently. But uh, at this stage, people get to walk that last bit at a bit of a pace. I wonder if we can speak to people to see how long they've been queuing. Excuse me, sir, how long have you been queuing today? Uh, only since four o'clock. Only since four yeah. o'clock. So this is not the 30 hours of queuing that people had been warning about. So from four o'clock until just around 6.30, it's not the longest queue in the world, but it is a moment of dedication that people feel to pay their respects for one last time to such a remarkable monarch. I wonder if we can grab some thoughts from people in the queue now. What brings you here today, madam? Um, family, really. Family, it's about their family, it's about my family. My dad was born in London, I was born in London, so yeah. Have you travelled from elsewhere today? Leicester. So we were up about half past six, uh, got the train. So no, it's been, it's been a, a nice day. It's been a very respectful day, it's been a good atmosphere. And a lot of mixed emotions. People feel there's a sense of togetherness from people, sometimes even jollity, but of course it's a sombre occasion. It is, it's definitely that mix. I think it's, while we're waiting, we waited for about four hours and there was a lot of lightheartedness, you know, Mexican waves going up and down and even when, um, just thinking like the, the, the estates people were walking along with their wheelbarrows and, and things like that and everyone was clapping them. And So it was a nice atmosphere, but then as soon as it came to the time, it just completely changed. It was very sombre, very respectful and very peaceful in some respects. Yeah. It's a remarkable moment. I suppose it's the only time in our lifetimes we'll experience something like this. Are you prepared, are you ready to enter that thousand-year-old hall and file past the coffin of Her Late Majesty? I think so, yeah. I've, I've just met the lady who came out and she was saying, it's worth the wait. She said, it's very serene, it's very peaceful, so yeah. I'm ready. Well, thank you for taking the time thank to you. talk to us thank and uh, all the best. Well, there we have it, just a, a flavour of some of those people in this queue. It's poignant standing here, of course, because we're looking at Parliament's just across the river. The queue snakes around uh, Lambeth Bridge, which is that next bridge there, uh, just beyond Parliament, and it goes round through into what's called Victoria Tower Gardens, the gardens that are in the, shower of, uh, in the shadow of the tower named after Queen Victoria, the second longest reigning monarch. And, of course, we here are in the shadow of Elizabeth Tower, the tower that encompasses Big Ben. That, of course, uh, named for the Queen's Jubilee in 2012, after Her Late Majesty. All the more poignant, overshadowing this queue, looking down on this queue, as people wait to pay their last respects to the Queen. Indeed, Tom Harwood, thanks for that update. Um, in case you're wondering, by the way, that, that you might be watching that thinking, well, where did what happened to the queue if it's so long? The way they do it is they're breaking it into segments. So what happens is you go into that segment, what you're seeing there, uh, near Lambeth Bridge, you get your wristband, whatever, and then they hold the queue uh, up a little bit on the road uh, next to the next bridge. So it's almost done in like tranches, if you will, so that none of the areas are getting too uh, clustered 
I've got to be honest, uh, when I was there today, I was thinking, thank goodness I'm not in the queue because I would have had queue anxiety because I don't like pusher-inners. I'm a serious queuer, I am. I like formal straight liners. I don't like anyone deviating. I've always got my eyes open for someone uh, jumping in front of me. But actually, the spirit there was really just kind of happy. Everyone was there, everyone was together. No one really minded the order being, uh, you know, mixed around a little bit. Everyone was just pleased to have that opportunity uh, to go and see the Queen. Now, Kevin Hurley uh, joins me. He's a former public order and events commander in the Met Police. Good evening to you. Good evening. Kevin, logistically, um, this must be a challenge, to put it mildly, uh, managing an event of this proportion. Well, as my former commander, Bob Broadhurst, said, uh, this is the largest public order management event London's ever seen in probably any of our lifetimes. It's simply immense. And of course, on top of that, it isn't just managing the people in terms of crowds crushing, concerns about what will happen if there's a sudden thunderstorm and everyone runs for cover. You've got the other issue of managing, first of all, the threat from terrorism, because that has not gone away. And there are many, many targets out there for potential uh, terrorists to attack, whether it's a royal family, dignitaries that are coming from all over the world, all with various threats on them from, the, from where they actually come from, combined with the problems of managing, um, combined with the problems of managing uh, some really uh, strange, nutty people who are what you might call fixated um, on the royal family, fixated on the various dignitaries and so on, all of which makes a huge security burden, which is why we've now seen police officers from the entire United Kingdom being brought in. Ordinary foot duty people patrolling from as far away as North Wales, down to snipers from specialist firearms teams, and of course, lots and lots of covert police officers out there watching in the crowd. Because we've had various events, as we know, in the past, people causing problems uh, for members of the royal family. You'll recall uh, years ago when Her Majesty the Queen was on her way to Troop in the Colour, someone started firing at her from the crowd with a starting pistol, try and throw off a horse. You can never discount any threat. Those are the problems. Blimey. Uh, and just give us a flavour as to what kind of agencies will be involved in this. I mean, you mentioned the police, um, but I suspect it's much broader than that. Uh, okay. Um, Jacqueline, mm. one of the things, um, I don't know if you heard it then, when I was speaking to the lady in the queue, uh, she was there with her sister, actually, and they were explaining that they'd very recently lost their mum. So they'd gone not just for the Queen, but I got a sense of actually it was um, an outlet for the grief that they were feeling within their own family. And I think that that has been the case for a lot of people, that this has given people an anchor for past events. I think it's reminded people of losses in their own family. I had so many people describe the Queen as the nation's uh, grandmother, that kind of thing. And it is just a huge kind of outlet for people as well, isn't it, at the moment? I think so. And I think also, I think that the difference from when I was little, um, sort of the post-war generation, to how we, um, you know, I'm not a psychologist or anything, but to how we look at death now. And, um, and I remember when I was small and the whole neighborhood would come out and respect 
the coffin as that was being drawn you know, down the road. People would, as they still do a great deal in Ireland, for example, they would hold a wake. And now I think um, probably because a lot of people maybe don't die in their own homes as they did um, those couple of generations ago, which, which they did. Um, you know, people are often in a nursing home or various, various places like that. And it's sort of as though it's everything is sort of, um, I don't know, it, it's just, oh, well, this is what we do next. And then we see the, you know, the funeral director and, and whatever. Almost robotic, and it's, as though, it? it's as though people haven't got time to, to grieve mm. um, because what we do is we've all, I'm sure, on this uh, platform too, we have lost people who are very close to us and we tend to try and keep a stiff upper lip because that's a very sort of British thing and carry on. But sometimes we all need to, and I think this has brought it to the fore with the people you've spoken to and Tom and various others. Um, and it has with me too, actually, with somebody that was very close to me. Um, really resonates and it just sort of makes you think. And this is why I said a bit earlier, sometimes we just all have to take a step back and just breathe. Mm. And, um, and maybe this is the time for reflection where families are here and others who may not have necessarily lost someone recently, but they will know if it's been an older relative. Um, how often have we at Christmas, don't forget to put the Queen on, it's three o'clock. Mm. You know, even if the younger ones were not too keen, but it's there, it's, it, it, it's in their mind. So it's part of our whole, it's the whole way of life. It's not just, uh, I suppose, um, the royal family um, or the queen doing a specific thing. It, it's just, we're all intrinsically linked into, into th this monarchy and into the way our constitution works. Yeah. I agree with that. I wonder though if, as you were describing um, people mourning those in times past or different community, uh, sense of community, it was partially because people felt like they knew the person who had died in a way that we may not know our neighbours in the same way now in mm. all of the communities that we live in. And I, I wonder if part of this communal outburst of grief and affection that we're currently experiencing as a country is because, at least in part, because we had a sense that we knew the Queen. People, even if they've not met her or not seen her in person, felt like they knew uh, Queen Elizabeth II because She'd been in their lives, all their lives. She had been undertaking that duty, but also with a sense of, sometimes with a, a wry smile and sometimes with a, a grin, she had such a personality that I wonder if part of that sentiment people have is because they feel like they knew our late Queen. Oh, well, we, in a way, you're describing people knowing their neighbours yeah. in times past. Of course, we all, we all know the Queen. She's been there from when we were born, probably, um, most of us. And... Um, and we'd see it just, you know, watching the news, you would, oh, the Queen was in wherever today, the Queen was doing whatever, or members of the royal family. And you, we take it for granted in a way. Mm. And, um, well, I don't know if you saw the uh, statement from Prince Anne yesterday while mm. she was accompanying um, uh, the Queen in the, uh, the flight, obviously, from Edinburgh. Yeah. And she issued a statement, and one of the lines in that statement was she was saying, uh, and I quote, we may have been reminded how much of her presence and contribution to our national identity we took for granted. Mm. And, and that resonated with me, uh, that line, it really did. But I, th I think it's, it's, that's correct. But I don't think she'd criticise us for that. I just think it's part of the sort of, of human nature at times. We do become familiar with circumstances. We do become familiar with people sometimes. And then we, maybe we do, not intentionally, um, take it for granted. But to us, it was, we knew the Queen was getting older and, and older, but it was, 
we couldn't we couldn't really see the fact that she and one day she was not going to be there. Mm. Well, we knew that one day she wouldn't be there, and that's why I think we're all sort of in shock. But like too. like many things that one takes for granted, yeah. my God, you feel its absence. You realise when it's absolutely. Not there. Yeah, and just in case you're watching the screen, by the way, and I'll describe it if you're not, what you're seeing on the screen is um, uh, the queue passing near Lambeth Bridge. And, of course, you can see uh, on the left-hand side of the screen uh, the Houses of Parliament. But what you can't see is opposite, so on this side of the river where the people are, what you've got along the wall there is the COVID memorial wall. So it's full of hearts. You might remember this, actually, from the COVID times. It's full of hearts. And I found it really touching today because you've got on the one side of the wall, you've got all the people queuing uh, for the Queen. And then on the other side of the wall, you've got all of these tributes that people have been uh, writing to the people that they love and that they've lost through COVID. So to me, that added to the whole kind of emotional um, uh, aspect of it, because you're reading these stories about everybody's uh, loved ones that were clearly missed and adored. And then you've got this queue uh, to go and see somebody else um, mm. who was loved and adored. And it made me kind of realise that you know, when we save all of these condolences, don't we, for the point at which someone's died, and it's a real strange kind of thing to me, because wouldn't it be nice if people whilst alive realised how loved they are and all of this outpouring oh, doesn't queen, come... That's true for most of us. I think the Queen knew. Do you? I do. I think the Queen knew how much she was loved by us. I do. And I think we do, really. And the thing is, this, this moves now from where the family and the nation are in mourning to then where we come to, and we, we've had it in our own families, it's celebrating that life at mm. the appropriate time, of course. You, you don't do it the next day. But it starts to move into, I mean, what a celebration. Mm. What a contribution to this nation that Her Majesty, the late Her Majesty the Queen made. And as we said, touched all, all aspects of our lives. So... Um, Yes, but we, we, we've all done this, I think. I, I, I have done it and I've recalled and thought, gosh, you know, why wasn't I there when X happened? Or why didn't I tell that person mm. or how much I loved them um, before it was too late? I mean, we do that and then we, we feel guilty about it, but that is just human nature sometimes. But then hopefully we recognise that at maybe at a later date and when things have calmed down and, and think, OK, but they did know really. Uh, how you felt. And so uh, I think we, we we just have to, we're human. And mm. to err is human. Yeah. To forgive divine. And you mentioned, uh, just as you say, that we're uh, human. Uh, one of my viewers, Mary, has written in. Um, I don't know if you've seen that footage, actually, of King Charles. He's signing something and his pen, he had a fountain pen, I think it was. It's kind of leaked all over his hand and he was really cross about it. And um, Mary just emailed in saying, uh, Michelle, I was quite shocked at King Charles' temper. Uh, about the pen. She says, I hope there won't be a repeat of that uh, behaviour in public. It wasn't a good image. Mary, no, but Mary. The man was deep in grief. The man's mother's just died. Exactly. That was just Sorry. the point. Sorry to interrupt, Michelle. No, it was just the point I was going to make because I keep repeating myself uh, of these last few days, but whilst we're grieving a queen, this is a family grieving their mum or their grandmum. King Charles hasn't had a second, it no. feels like, to catch his breath and probably reflect on the enormity. He's kind of gone from one public thing to another, to another, to another, hasn't he? Yeah. And don't forget, right. every since the actual day, he has been on public view. Absolutely every single thing that they have done, um, 
up until now. And this will continue, obviously, over the next few days. And as I said, I think the, the incident was, I think I'd have been pretty fed up as well. There you are trying to sign all of these terribly important documents. And that's the sort of, you know, when you think of the sort of, as I said, the precision that goes into all of this, but there will always be a little something. And it's, I'm not surprised. I think he's probably running on adrenaline and exhaustion. I think the yeah. whole family, actually. Well, I thought it was and, quite um, restraint in his language. Yes, uh, my language is way more colourful than that. I, I quite ad admired his restraint. I, I think I'd you. have agreed with you there. Um, right, so we've just been uh, reflecting at the start of the programme um, of the procession that we saw earlier on today, uh, 2.22 to be precise, um, when the Queen's coffin left Buckingham Palace to go into Westminster Hall. Uh, Mark White joins us now. He is uh, our Home Affairs and Security Editor. He's outside Buckingham Palace. Uh, Mark, good evening to you. Personally, I have to say, I was quite surprised by the number of royals um, that we saw walking behind um, the coffin earlier on today. I thought it would be much uh, fewer than it actually was. Yeah, no, we were told that quite a significant number of members of the royal family wanted to make that gesture to actually walk behind uh, the coffin as it was carried on that gun carriage uh, towards Westminster Hall. Uh, others, um, female uh, delegations of the royal family uh, were accompanying in vehicles, apart from the Princess Royal, uh, she also walked behind uh, that gun carriage. It was incredibly emotional sight it really was but uh, by the same token was you know absolutely magnificent as well in its splendor something pomp and circumstance that this country does so very well indeed and um, of course it was absolutely measured out uh, to the nth degree there had been rehearsals taking place overnight where when most of the nation was sleeping uh, you had members of the military out uh, pacing that uh, journey to the Palace of Westminster and it was at a pace of 75 steps per minute uh, which they calculated would get them to uh, the Westminster Hall at uh, 38 minutes after leaving the gates of Buckingham Palace and uh, absolutely they were uh, pretty much on track there. At the same time, of course, uh, the Royal Salutes were firing uh, from Hyde Park every minute, along with Big Ben also chiming every minute as well as a mark of respect. I should say, Michelle, that here at Buckingham Palace, uh, we've noticed that uh, in the, the last hour or so, the Royal Standard has come down. Uh, to signify the fact that the monarch is no longer in residence here. We're looking at the shot there. It's not flapping uh, on the flagpole, unfortunately, but uh, you have to take my word for it. That is now the Union flag, uh, which is flying at half-mast, uh, as other Union flags across the nation are doing as a mark of respect to the late monarch. Uh, we don't know at this stage where King Charles III has gone. We understand that he left the grounds of Buckingham Palace in a helicopter though, so uh, we await word on uh, where he may have gone, but we don't know that at this stage. Really now all the focus, Michelle, is going to be on, of course, uh, the late monarch lying in state at Westminster Hall and those 
many thousands of people who want to get a glimpse of that coffin to pause to reflect albeit very briefly they won't be allowed to uh, pause more than a second or two before they're ushered out of Westminster Hall to make way for the next party coming in because there are hundreds of thousands who will want to make that pilgrimage to Westminster Hall um, and already we're told that the queue Michelle is some 6.9 miles long back to Southwark Park but another three miles uh, added onto that within Southwark Park itself so 10 miles and growing. Right, wow thank you very much 10 miles I never thought I'd hear myself say this sentence that's about to leave my mouth but the more I think about it the more I sit and contemplate actually going along to see the coffin and many of your viewers will be doing the same Michelle. but it's so surprising to me People because will tell i'm not their grandchildren that they did this yeah i'm just not like i don't know how to describe myself i'm not anti-royal but I, if you'd have asked me two weeks ago or you know how into the royal family are you would you go and take to the streets and i, I would have probably been a bit that's what we were saying about the, the set that's why in part there is this kind of communal shock because people have been propelled into emotions they might not quite realize they were ever going to feel at this stage about about a distant figure really in authority been born to rule and we we are profoundly affected by this because this person who, who had a life of duty and service um, as we were reflecting with Jackie it's a sense sometimes you don't realize what you've got till it's gone mm. well Jacqueline you're not just Jacqueline you're Baroness Jacqueline Foster oh, yeah. of course then that means you must have met the Queen um, talk to me about some of your memories DBE indeed um, well I first met her and actually spoke to her when I was an MEP, actually, in my first mandate, round about, uh, it was when Concord was granted mm -hmm. for the last time. And they were holding a reception at Buckingham Palace uh, for members of parliament and various others and MEPs. And, um, of course, you know, these are very, very busy uh, receptions. So I never really thought I'd get a chance to speak to her, but I was delighted to come. I'd been to one before, but never had a chance to actually speak to her. And it was just before she was leaving. They were sort of, they leave by about eight o'clock and, and go into their private apartments. And there were three of us standing there. And um, so we had this, she said, hello, how are you? And she was absolutely charming. You know, what do you do? And we said, well, we're members of the European Parliament. I don't know what you're doing. And then one of my colleagues said, oh, she does aviation. She, 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 she uh, really loves Concorde or something like that. And Her Majesty, uh, I understand, was a great fan of Concorde, mm -hmm. uh, as are most of us with this most beautiful aircraft. And so we had this great conversation about Concorde um, really how, how sad it was that Concorde wouldn't be operating anymore. And um, so we had this great con conversation. And there were other things that we did talk about as well, um, which, um, you know, obviously I, I won't say anything, but she, she must have talked to us about 15 minutes. Lovely. And it was, I came out and it, it then sort of finished at eight o'clock and I came out and I sort of rang home and I went, I've just been talking to the Queen like I was about four years old. But the next, next time I met her um, was many years later, and I was very honoured to receive, um, become a Dame Commander of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire, which is obviously the long, long name for it, DBE. And, um, my, um, and it took place actually at Windsor Castle, which was fantastic because I wasn't sure. And also, um, my investiture was carried out by Her Majesty the Queen. Oh, lovely. And um, it was just absolutely 
jaw dropping. Oh, there's a photo, she said. Oh, there you are. There I am. It was absolutely fantastic. It was in, it's in the Wellington room and I'd lived in Windsor some years ago. Um, we had a conversation. You can sort of see on the photograph, we're having a conversation and can I tell you something? Go on. I cannot remember a word I said <laughs> that day. I can't remember the conversation. Uh, at all. It was like as though I'd had this sort of mental... Like blank. a dream. I think it, it was something to do about the last time we'd spoken, it was Concord, because obviously Windsor Castle was under the flight path as well, because obviously I come from an airline background. Um, so I sort of think it was that. Um, but it really is amazing the effect these sorts of things have on you. It was one of the greatest honours of my life. Aww. I was just, it was just so such a shame that my parents were not alive to see that. Yeah. And then, of course, becoming, um, you know, having a peerage. Um, sure, you brought, is that your medals? Yeah, Let's have a little, can uh, I have a look? There'll be a few, there'll be some more dames out there. Um, but you don't, we, the very few opportunities we get to were these. I've never seen anything, oh gosh, I'm going to touch it. Which camera shall I put it to? Hang on, I don't want to drop it, imagine. Oh, you're okay, won't. Um, hang on. That's yeah. a can I lift it up? It's not going to fall off, is it? Yeah. Ah. No, it should be all right. Okay. Look at that. In fact, look at that alongside me. It looks... Oh, oh no, it did <laughs> fall, does fall off. Break. Oh, no. Won't break. Oh, I was just about to hold it right up to myself and say it's got a really good match to me, and that's just my luck. That is exactly the kind of thing that happens to me. Damage, it break. won't break. Oh, right, well, do you know what? I'm going to put that down. I was just about to hold it up even closer to myself and say, look at that, it's got a, a good pairing there. Well, it's very, very beautiful, uh, but there are real limits on... on it's OK. Oh. There are real limits, It's on actually, the floor. Oh, on, Alex is, um, Alex Alex is, is doing the honours. At your feet, as well. Thank you. And, well, can I touch it now, then, yeah, seeing as I've dropped start. it on the floor? Yeah, I might as well. Okay. Of course oh, you can. Let's have a look at this. There's so few occasions that you can actually wear um, this regalia. Oh, you've kept this well polished. Oh, absolutely. It's, um, it says on there for God and the Empire. It's I'll hold it up. Star. There you go. I don't know if I dare hold it up. I'm going to hold it up with both hands very carefully. I'm just going to imagine it there. It looks quite good. No, that goes, that goes below. Oh, actually, oh, OK, I put it in the complete there, wrong place. Six, six inches below. That's oh, you can tell I don't know what I'm doing, don't you? <laughs> oh, well, that's the closest I think I'll probably ever get to one of those. Well, it was, as I said, it's, um, it's the most fantastic honour. I think anybody who's had any, any honour at all um, by any member of the royal family will tell you mm. that um, it's just something you, often, you very often don't expect. I, I wasn't expecting this. And when I had a phone call about it, and sort of nearly fell off the sofa. And then the actual investiture itself is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, gosh, can imagine. Um, and I tell you, Alex, one of the things that I picked up again today, I was talking, and we just played from a chap there, the service personnel. Yeah. And I've spoken to quite a lot of service personnel and ex-service personnel over the last few days. The connection that they feel to the Queen, they feel that they pledge allegiance to the Queen and have a real personal connection. That's absolutely right. Um, they're commander-in-chief. I have no right to, I mean, I've never served myself, but I, I, observing these things and knowing some people that have done, um, that sense of connection is profound and deeply personally felt. And one of the things one remembers is that in this time of, of disunion and of fracturing in, in lots of ways, not just in our country but in the world but look, turning for a moment and thinking for a moment about our own country the queen was one of those unifying figures greatly respected mm. by troops from scotland from wales england northern ireland in a way that they might not otherwise have been drawn together it was the crown that was a unifying thing about 
them, and that was the that was the institution to which they gave their um, even unto death gave their loyalty. And I um, I think that was profoundly felt by um, many who have served in our armed forces. Also, by the way, of course, to our police force who, who mm. take an oath to uphold the law um, in this country. And don't forget the um, armed forces in Canada and Australia and the yes, absolutely uh, workers. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, this. As I said, this transcends the, the, these aisles and, um, you know, Her, Maje Her Majesty's Armed Forces, now His Majesty's Armed Forces. Yes. Um, so it's, it, it's not surprising. I think you'll find so many, I think, serving personnel and those who are not serving any longer. Many of them, I, I was watching TV and they were former soldiers or former IAF and they were they're actually queuing to, to yeah. file past uh, later them. on. And... Um, so it's part of their lives. You were saying you're a great queuer, Michelle. I understand that. But if no, I, I'm a serious queuer. A queue serious queuer. Well, I, I understand and respect. As of course, I'm British. I respect that. But if I found I had a serviceman behind me, I think I'd let him go in front of me. Would you? Yeah. That's very nice of you. Um, speaking of letting people go in front, you actually, look, I spin my chair, you, you. <laughs> Am I right in thinking that uh, yourself, people uh, like yourself, MPs, lords, ladies, baronesses, whatever, you get to jump the queue? We can, to a degree. Um, if we want to take guests, which uh, I'm not taking guests, everything's been quite rushed. Um, they're allocated a slot, so with families and various people. Um, I will be able to, I'm very fortunate, I'll be able to go, I want to go in the morning, and if we are staff, not just the MPs and, and peers, but the staff who also work in the Palace of Westminster as well, um, they are allowed to slot in and, and file past. Yeah, you see, so, I don't mean to be rude. I know. But I don't, I'm not cool with that. And I'll tell you for why. Only because I went down today to the front of the queue. So I was talking to the people that were one, two, yeah. 40 in the queue, whatever. And I'm talking to people who have slept on, so if you're watching yeah. the screen now, they slept on that floor. Michelle, don't you think it's a bit funny to wield your egalitarian instincts at the very point we're talking about the death of a monarch? It, it doesn't quite. It, no, the, no, the, no. The institution no. is in and of itself. No, I think. No, I think. No, I'm going to. to I'm going to defend Michelle, if I may. Yeah, and I'm uh, going to defend I'm myself defend in you. a minute as well. I don't you the, worry. The, the reason also, so for this, is a lot of people who are, are actually still working on the parliamentary estate and various things, and so they're behind the scenes doing all sorts of things. So um, it, it perhaps is easier for them to allow them to slide. Not everybody will. A number of people already have been in attendance for certain sure. uh, things that are taking place. But um, no, I'm a queue. I like you. I don't like to see anybody jump the queue. Yeah, no. Um, I, but that I... is the decision by the, basically by the commissioners of the parliamentary estate and others. And so that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would definitely be taking advantage of it if I was a baroness as well or anything like that. But I just think having been there today and seeing the people on the streets, on the floor, it's having slept there, I just think actually you guys, you guys deserve to be right in there, right at the front. And I don't like the old cute jumper, but maybe, uh, I don't mean you, by the way, I just mean the principal generally, but hey, ho, maybe that is just me.